Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of From Prison to Purpose. My name is Jimmy McGill, and I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm also the author of the book, From Prison to Purpose. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I haven't used a substance in almost nine years. In fact, if it's God's will, I stay clean between now and February 27th. It will be nine years. I'm also a person who has successfully reentered society after incarceration. Today, we're going to be hearing from a good friend of mine, a resident at our recovery residence named Ben Taganoff. He's got a lot of famous nicknames, Ben Take It Off, Ben Cut the Tag Off, Ben Dover. I mean, anything that wasn't tied down, this dude went and got it. You know what I mean? He found a way to use and find chemicals that would change the way he felt by any means necessary. He's also one of my home team members, and so I'm glad that he's not only a resident at our facility, but he's also a good friend of mine and my wife, Chelsea's. And, and so we grew up with Ben. And so to see Ben living a life of recovery is pretty phenomenal because there was a lot of efforts that we tried to get Ben to come up here in the past and it didn't work out. And so without any further ado, Ben, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you sound <laughs> just like you're on the radio, man. Okay. You happy? Yeah, I'm very happy. You nervous? Uh, a little bit, but you know, just go with the flow. You wasn't nervous when you was cutting the tags off in jeans? <laughs> no. Not in the slightest. <laughs> you walk in the store, boost everything, but you scared to sit in front of the microphone. I know. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense, <laughs> does it? So, so how you feeling, Ben? Man, I feel like I got some life in me, man. I think the one, one of the last times I seen you out there in North of the Rock, I was, I was like a zombie walking the streets, man. Yeah, you was bad. I wanted you in my truck. I said, Ben, get in the truck, man. We're going to take you to treatment. Ben said, you don't want me to get in the truck right now. I no, said, I, Ben, you got something on you. He said, just a little bit. I said, no, you can't get in the truck. Yeah, I was on a mission. You was on a mission, wasn't you? Yeah. Where was you leaving? I was leaving the shopping center there with uh, Hobby Lobby and all that, headed to McCain Mall. Finna go get something. Get some more. <laughs> Boy, it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense, Ben. Yeah. So how long did you use substances? Man, I've been using substances since I was all like 16, about 16 years old. Now, how, how'd that start? Because you have, you got a pretty good parent. You got a good dad. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, like uh, he's in your corner for real. Yeah. I just had, I guess, a, a fascination with the streets, man. And I, I started steering towards the criminal lifestyle. You know, there's, there's people, I was from Lakewood, but I was interested in the guys in Levy and, and Pike. So I would, you know, be with, I guess, the rich kid hanging with the poor kid type thing. And, My neighborhood. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it, it is, you know, from doing doing good things when you're being on teams and doing all the stuff at school to breaking in houses and, and you know. Crazy. Doing dope. Yeah. So what was a, a average, what, what did your drug use look like in the beginning, Ben? Like how, I mean, was it fun? Was it social? What did it look it like? It was very social. You know, it, there was a group of guys I hung out with about seven or eight of us and we were together every day. So it was like when I, when I was hit first, it was the pot and then very quickly came into the other stuff like alcohol and then soon meth. But, you know, we, we, we were just, uh, we're experimenting and, and, and doing things for the first time and get to the point, you know, it went from, uh, uh, uh leisure type thing you know just a, a social thing to everyday thing and uh end up dropping out of high school in there about the 11th grade and you know just, just veering off from the path that I, that I was you know brought up to be my dad did a great job 
raising me, I just had a lot of rebellion in me. A lot of reasons to that. You know, I felt like I was trying to find purpose in, you know, uh, with the, the ADD and the, I guess the learning, learning disabilities I had, it was hard for me to, to go in there and make good, good grades. So I, I didn't like the feeling of failing. So I felt I was doing good at doing what I was doing in the streets. So I, I hung up with that. Yeah. So how, how long did it take for your substance use to go from that everyday fun use that you were just talking about with the seven or eight guys to, okay, this is not so glamorous at all. In the span of five years, less than five years, you know, because, you know, I had friends that were doing meth, you know, for me, it was early age. I was 16, 17 years old. But they had been doing it years before I was. But once I started doing the meth, it was just, it was downhill from there. You know, it, it took a hold of me. You know, it was something, I felt like it was my escape. And like I said, I clung to that lifestyle and, and was just on a straight rebellion trip and I guess, you know, curiosity of what, what was out there. I, f I found acceptance in that, in that lifestyle. And, uh, it was just a, 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 a period of my life. I'm glad I grew out of, you know, I still hung on to the addiction, but I stopped doing certain things like, you know, breaking in houses and doing stuff that I didn't need to be doing. Cause I always had stuff I needed. Actually, I was had a little bit too much for what I needed, but it's just, it was, it was curiosity. So what did, what were you trying to escape? Because earlier, you, you know, you talked about having a good home, had a good dad, came from a good neighborhood. Then you said your drug use was your, your, your effort to escape. What were you trying to escape? Myself, you know, cause uh, I always felt like I had to live up to like my sister's ex, you know, level of, of knowledge of school and all that stuff. She was a kind of person that could make the Dean's list and still go party, but, yeah. you know, but I struggled. So, you know, but that, that the struggle just, just brought, it, it discouraged me a lot. And I didn't like that feeling, but you know, that the escape of when I was getting high was just like, you know, I'm, I'm I like this. this. This makes me feel good. I feel accepted. So did your drug use progress after meth? Did it go into something more? Yeah. Meth? I had phases, you know, I would, you know, have like phases out doing a lot of coke and I went from drug, club drugs, like, you know, acid and ecstasy like that. But there was something about the methamphetamine that triggered something in my brain that it was just my drug of choice. No, sure. it was your baby. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and it, it, no matter what I did, I'd always fall back on it. Okay. So how do you got any crazy addiction stories? I have tons of crazy. <laughs> now, let's stories. laugh at what you got. Well, I can't even think here. Definitely. I have a uh, someone where I was just—I remember at my mom's. It was actually my sister's birthday party. And she's born on leap year, and uh, we're having a party at McCain Park apartment court, uh, courthouse or clubhouse there. And that night, I had uh, didn't want to go because I was already on a coke binge for like four or five days. But I was like, I got to show up for my sister's party. So I we she, we ended up going me and my old lady and. You know, my brother-in-law was like, man, can you give me some Coke? And I was like, yeah, I get you a little bit. And I have my buddy come drop me off a little bit. But uh, later on, my brother-in-law canceled the order. So I'm stuck with this, you know, about, you know, about a half ounce of Coke in my pocket. And then then as the evening progresses, I'll get kind of a little too drunk. And I get in an argument with my stepdad about a song getting played on the radio or in the stereo at a party. And then and I'm all in my feelings and stuff for about cussing him out, trying to fight my stepdad and front of everybody and I reached to get a cigarette out of my pocket and I ended up accidentally pulling this, this bag of coke and it just spills out in front of everybody. <laughs> and I'm, me and my brother-in-law are scooping it up and like, we're like, what's, what's my yeah. cocaine? 
Okay, so the coke just spills everywhere. Everywhere. It wasn't. It wasn't a good scene. Yeah. Everybody's. My, my sister's crying now. And what they say about that? It was just like you know when you you're at a party and something happens and that little the record scratched. It's like everybody went silent, looking at me, all crazy. That's nuts, man. It is. So yeah. what? What? How? I mean, what did your addiction ultimately do to you? What? What kind of physical, mental, emotional effects did the long terms of drug use have on you? It took everything away from me that that was me, you know, myself. I mean, I, I like sports. I like being, I like to follow certain things like sports and, and have hobbies, you know, just, just, just anything that was me, it took away. And it, I secluded myself. I would, I got to the point I was, I was a loner. I was homeless. It took everything. It took my, my, my kids' relationship away from me. And I chose it. I chose that lifestyle over a lot of, over my life. But a lot of things I'm not proud of, but. Uh, I never wanted my son to see me in that shape, so I would stay away when I'm in that shape. And 90% of the time I was in that shape, so he missed out, or I missed out on a lot of his life that, you know, I can't get back. But, you know, that's one of my goals in recovery is to work on that relationship. With your son. Yeah, and my father. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time in conversations with your dad. He you know, he's up there in age and he would definitely like a relationship with his son before he leaves this world. So absolutely, uh, a genuine uh, relationship. Yeah. One that, that he gets his boy back. Cause it's been a long time since he had his boy. Yep. And that's what drugs does, man. It, it kills, steals and destroys. I mean, it rooks and robs us out of every good thing that we were. It, addiction promises this fallacy, this, this awesome life. That's non-existent and recovery restores that. Yeah. That's part of the recovery I look forward to. I know it doesn't take a lot of work and sacrifice good days and hard days, but it's, it's the, the goal at the end of the road is going to be worth it. Yeah. And, you know, he's already proud that I'm here. I, I spent some time in Plaza County jail before I got here. So I had six months of clean time in there, but I've been here a couple of weeks now and it's, it's, it's the start of my new beginning and uh, I look forward to getting involved actually i have a sponsor already and i'm starting my step work and it's just it's, it's something I've, I've been in and out these rooms my half my life but i never worked a program yeah and uh i feel good about it you know i, I call him every day i'm working now in tyson it's not the best job in the world but it's a start and yeah and i paid my rent last week and it's just stuff that i, I haven't done you paid your rent. Too. I paid my rent. Not not anyone else. So how long has it been since some since you were responsible for being? How how long have other people been carrying being? Most of my life. You know, how old are you I, now? I, I had you know, a lot of spots that I did have you know carry my own, but it's just, as soon as I could drift back to doing addiction, I throw it all away. And you know, I think that I can speak for a lot of people that it is it, it robs you from your your dignity. You know. Yeah. And then. If I'm high, I'm, my, my, my way of thinking is, is completely off. I'm, I'm in stores and boosting or stealing stuff and doing stuff that, you know, and just taking you know, chances to, of penitentiary every day, but not caring because I'm just trying to feed his habit. Yeah. So what would the drugs do to the relationship with your sister? Uh, well, for many years that, you know, she, she, like I said, she's a physical therapist. So she, she had to go a lot of schooling and stuff, but eventually down the line, you know, she, she picked up too. And, uh, it, it was kind of like, you know, when I was younger, I was like, you know, why can I not be smart like, like her or do, you know, be successful in life, but didn't seeing her struggle 
it's like I really felt like I, I wanted to reach out to her, but you know, it, it, it was it was just real odd because I, I didn't really know how to to accept it because you know, seeing her being successful and then all of a sudden struggle, which she's doing better now. Uh, I'm proud of her. She she kind of she had her phase of it, but you know, she she shook out of it. But along with those other relationships, I want to I want to I want to mend. But I was a black sheep of the family. And so I was the one that really kind of set the bar on things that could go wrong or the bad things I did in my family because most of my sister did it. My, my dad was kind of already used to dealing with me. Yeah. He kind of knew how to handle it a little better. So do you have hopes of restoring the relationship with everybody now that you're in recovery other than your dad? Absolutely. And, and I guess for having my mindset of, you know, this is what I'm going to do. It's a whole lot easier. You know, I know there's, you know, you know, things are going to come up. Like, for instance, the, the job is not the best job I want, but I know down the line, I see a light at the tunnel and uh, I'm not discouraged. You know, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm in the baby steps of recovery. I've had more than half my life using and only six months of being clean. So this is, this is, I'm, I'm an infant. Yeah. So can you, can you talk a little bit about some of the things that addiction really did to you that you regret right now more than anything? There's a number of, just, just the time, time wasted in many, many years of my kids growing up in special moments that I wasn't there for. Uh, How many kids? I have two kids. And, uh, where are they at? They're both in Little, Little Rock, one's in Sherwood and one's in the East End. Are they grown? My son's 21. My, my daughter's 16. No relationship with them at all? Oh, my son, yes. I have two different mothers of my children, so it's, it was kind of hard to to actually even see one of them. But uh, my son and I, have, we've had a great relationship, especially, you know, as a, you know, when he was a kid. It's just like I, I didn't want him, like I said earlier, I didn't want him to see me in the conditions I was in. So when I was in my in my deepest, he didn't see me much at all. Okay. So what about your daughter? What 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 impact did drugs have on her? It was a very from her birth. It was an impact because me and her mother we hooked up at a Kim Free house recovery so, relationship thirteenth step. And it, and it, and by doing that, it it ended the relationship with my son's mother. You know, so that was like a. So you're in a recovery house trying to get sober cheat on your kid's mom with another girl and have a baby with her. Right. Well, that's some shady. Can we beep this? That's some shady. Golly, Ben. That's what we do though, ain't it, man? It was. You know, it's. Was it worth it? Absolutely not. I mean, I love my daughter, you know, is even though I don't have her in my life, she's here for a reason. Yeah. And plus the conditions I was living in, I wasn't in the manner to take care of neither of them. They were both in good hands, you know, uh, they're, they never been without, they, they got their, you know, their guardians, whatever you would call it. Yeah. Take care of them. So how many Kim free houses you been in? A number of them. Better be glad you didn't have a baby with all of them. Right. Golly, was it co-ed recovery house? Absolutely. They well, do that? The girls in one room, the guys in the next? I mean, what's on top that floor, men on the bottom. The girls on top. Yeah. You, you probably know which place I'm talking about. Behind, behind the mall. Behind. And oh yeah, that's where I got clean at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Well, yeah, I get it. I see what you're saying. So, how long ago was that? That was well, it was sixteen years ago. Okay, I can see that happening now for sure. There was some room jumping when I was in there too. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually where I met Chelsea. I mean, I was living there when I met Chelsea and, you know, I had one foot in the, I know this is your story, but you know, I want to open dialogue if that's okay. Can we talk? Can we just chat? So I I literally remember that uh, I got one foot in the street. I'm living at the same Kim Free house you were, and I'm literally selling dope my first 90 days of recovery. Like I'm one foot in recovery one foot in the street because it's all I knew and I couldn't get a job because my criminal history was so bad. And Chelsea was trying to help this kid get his footing in recovery, right? Like she had a couple years clean at the time. And well, the kid was not living right. And so he's running around using and stuff. And so I just come home from the joint, man. And this girl named Tara calls me and she's like, Hey, this kid took my pills, Jimmy. I need your help. I need my money back. And so I call a kid up and I'm like, you know, at this time I still had that street reputation. And I'm like, you know who this is? He's like, yes. And I'm like, well, I owe such and such a favor. And unfortunately it's you. <laughs> I said, I'm going to need them pills. I'm going to need that money. I'm going to need whatever you got, you know? And yeah. well, Chelsea found out about it and she's like, you tell him you saw him at a recovery meeting and that you're trying to stay sober and yada, yada, yada. And then she emails me and says, Hey, we got beef punk. And I'm like, that's cute. I just keep scrolling. But that was initially how we met. And I read that in your book. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And so my experience with that Kim Free House seems to be vastly different from yours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't ready. It's the time of my life I was not trying to change. I was forced there pretty much by my son's mother and, you know, but in, and I was just, that was a bad time in my life right there. You know, my mom was diagnosed with cancer around that time. Yeah. I was, I was unfaithful. I was, I was a creep, man. That, he was creeping too. Yeah, I was creeping. He was a creep, <laughs> creepy McCreepster. But that ain't, that ain't, ain't the case now. Had the sober living, baby. I had, I had to learn about my head a few times. What'd you name the kid? Serenity? <laughs> <laughs> Temptation. <laughs> right. So let's talk about how you got to, so a lot of people, you know, we got a large large social media following and not as large as I would like it to be because I want the entire world to know that people can and do recover. People can and do successfully integrate into society. And that once you're a felon, it doesn't mean that you're a nobody and you, you know, that's, that's my mission, right? To end the stigma around incarceration, reentry, and recovery. Right. And so I believe social media plays this huge role and what we do, absolutely, you know, it can go places we can't go. It can safely carry a message in a dope house because it goes anywhere a phone goes. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of people follow us and, and we love them and tell them how you got to next step. And, you know, they don't know about the CSI. Talk a little bit about that and your uh, dad reaching out to us and all those things. Yeah. I mean, uh, about this time last year or yeah, about this time last year, I was in a faith-based program and, and I was dismissed not because I got high or not because I wasn't doing what I wasn't supposed to do. It, it was just a disagreement with some me and somebody there. And it, but it to put a bad taste in my mouth with, I guess, the faith-based thing. I mean, I was kicked out and immediately in, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to show them and, and I'm, I'm going to go get, you know, get a bag, get high. But that is so crazy. <laughs> Why do we do that? I'll show you I'm going to kill me. <laughs> right. <laughs> teach you to piss me off i'll kill myself yeah and you know uh, and i stayed out for about a month or two you know uh, i really didn't care you know to try to go back and and, and finish where i started anywhere else i had 
a couple other places offered me to come in, but um, even you, you know, I see notice on the road, but I wasn't ready yet. But on May 5th, I was picked up with a buddy. We were just at the house and smoked some pot, so I was really high. And uh, they pulled us over for the, having a seatbelt on, and I had some dope in my pocket, and I knew I had a warrant. So I was kind of relieved, really, because I knew I was going to go in there and get this warrant taken care of, and I might have to stay there for a little bit. But once I got there, I had the warrant I had was it was a felony warrant for another possession charge. So they were talking about giving me uh, some RPF time, and that was my first offer. And then I joined the CSI program, which is a reentry program there in Placid County. It's a, a 12-week program there at the jail. It's fairly new. It's only a couple years old. And then once I get in the jail, everybody's like, you need to go try to get in this program so you can go in there and watch movies and eat popcorn on the weekend. And, you know, Nice. No wrong reason to get in recovery. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of in it for the wrong reasons at first. But, uh, once I got accepted in there, you know, it was almost like a reunion to go in there. I see a lot of guys I know from the street I know. And we just kind of it's a day I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to try this out. You know, Miss Kathy, she's a director there. She she was a, a good inspiration for me. You know, she had, she had lost her son to an overdose years ago. And just seeing her 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 drive to go in there and try to help a lot of guys that, that were struggling. And she poured her heart out to us. And something clicked in my mind in there. It's just like, you know, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to make a plan. And in my mind, that it was the next step was part of the plan. And I haven't reached out to you yet. And I, I was speaking to my dad a couple of times on the phone. And, and I was like, if you can look up Chelsea and Jimmy and and, and see what you can do. And I mean, he did. He's a bloodhound. Yeah. Like your dad is not playing any games about you, man. Yeah. But then the second time I went to court, you know, they, they offered me drug court. And I think that's about the time you came in the picture and you were like, you know, try not to give him drug court because if I was in drug court, I wouldn't be here because I would be confined to Plasky County. Yeah, a lot of meetings and stuff. So uh, they committed me to to the program there for it was another six weeks or so left. So I completed the program and uh, went back to court, and I was able to be released here. The next step, and I was I was as part of my plan. Now I was asking God to, to to help me fulfill this plan I had. I had another place in between here, which is there in Little Rock, and I'm glad I did that part. I'm glad it came out the way it did because I'm where I want to be. Yeah. You know, if I know if I was going to do, if I was going to try to get clean and put my all into my recovery, I want to be where I want to be at. You don't think it's too hard here? Absolutely not. I mean, if, if you're doing, if you're going with the grain, it, it, it's a lot easier than trying to go against it. A lot of guys that get here and they complain. Well, they need to go back and humble themselves a little bit or go bump their head and come back or <laughs> they even have a chance to come back. Well, know? I mean, you got to, you got to admit, man, making your bed can be pretty devastating, Ben. <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot, a lot of guys, I mean, just can't just anybody get up in the morning and make their bed, Ben. Right. You may be asking too much in a recovery house. You, you got to want to. And then that's, that's the whole thing. If, you, if you're not in, if your heart ain't sold to, to be able to follow some suggestions and things you don't like, there's rules I don't like. I like to, I like the, the hoard clothes and a bunch of items that I don't need. And that's yeah, that's I'm, terrible, Ben. You got, you got enough clothes in that dang place to have a yard sale right now, man. <laughs> But it's it's something that, that I know simple things like that. If I can conquer that and just and just say no to myself, it, it, you got the will, right? Yeah, I want what I want and I want it right, right. now. Damn I'm, what Jimmy said. I can see the meaning in that and seeing the message and that so having if I haven't but been once. Yeah, what am I gonna learn? But, yeah, because you know, Ben, how old are you, Ben? I'm forty four. 
44. You've been trying at Ben's way for 44 years. Yep. I mean, that, that let's be real. That don't pan out too much, man. And so one of, one of my favorite sayings in recovery is if you want a life you've never had, you got to do some things you never did to get that. And it's so true. And, and, and that's where I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take the, those risks of the unknown, the anxieties of, you know, even doing something like this is come on here and, and do something that I've never done before. Yeah. And it's, it's important. It's important that you and I learn to work together. Cause I mean, the judge put you here till next September. So right. we got to make it work yeah. being, cause I'm not willing to let you go back to prison and I'm not willing to kick you out. So you got, you got to, <laughs> you got to work with, you got to help me help you to help us. Right. And I had no problem doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What about your neighbor? He don't want to make his bed. Can't do nothing for my neighbor, but don't. Yeah, I, I can suggest, give him some suggestions. <laughs> yeah. I can't delegate nothing. Yeah. So, well, let me ask you this, man. We talked a little bit about your addiction. We talked about your upbringing. You know, the drug use started at an awful young age and progressed. But now you've got six months sober. You got a job? Yeah. What's that look like? You know, I mean, I'm handling chickens all day. And, what do you mean? Like well, birds? Birds. Like physical birds? The, physical bird and if i had to pick jobs it wouldn't be the one i would pick first <laughs> but it's the one i have and i'm gonna try to do my best at it i can do you know i'll be the best chicken slinger in clarksville if i have to yeah you're gonna be a good chicken plucker is that right y'all pluck feathers and start somewhere so we're employed you got a little over six months clean what's it look like for being to be living in his purpose like if you could have your dream life right now what would it look like I ain't in the fit to have my dream life yet because I would screw it up. What's your favorite thing about recovery? The favorite thing is is, is to have something on my own, you know, and, and earn it and not take it or in, into not to re rely on a substance to make me feel good. I could feel good off light. I could be feel good off something that is naturally given to me without having something to alter my mind and remember it. Yeah. And not be embarrassed of it. And not to hurt my family with it. And How many times you been to jail? So I've been to county jails, you know, 10 or more. And you like recovery better than jail? Absolutely. You didn't try to make a baby in jail. Well, I wouldn't try to work recovery then either. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, I keep going back to the kid in the recovery house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did a lot of stupid stuff in the past, but, you know, it yeah. took 44 years for me to get that, that light to go off my head. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm glad it went off, and I'm glad you're here. Me too, man. Me too. I'm glad you're here. So what are some challenges that you might find in your early recovery? Self-discipline. I mean, not doing things that I feel like I need to do and taking – like I have a good sponsor. I, I talk with him on a daily, and, and this just discipline myself to get in, in, in the literature, to do a step work, to commit, call him every day, to make my meetings, to, to be – responsible enough to carry out the daily requirements for me in, in this program. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, it, we're, we're stretched here, but I, I know any idle time is not good for me. So I like that part being stretched, waking up at the crack of dawn and getting out of work at, at, at dusk and going to a meeting and come back and hit the second do it again. I yeah. need that right now. Yeah. So, structure and routine. Right. How does it feel to pass a drug test? It feels great. Right. Do you ever try to take a picture of your test? Look, mom, look what I can do. I, I see that a lot. Like guys hold their drug test up like a trophy and they're like yeah. so proud that they, cause we never could do it. Right. Right. Or I, I would dodge it. It feels great, man. Just to know that I, I don't have to sweat that stuff, man. And, 
you know, I'll waste your test on me if you want to. But. Yeah. Well, we got to around here. We got to, we got to have integrity here. It holds me accountable. I know yeah. if, if I was, or anybody was to slip up, you know, they wouldn't be here long and, uh, it'll give you a window, the opportunity to, to even put that thought in your mind because it, you know, you're, you're going to be tested in a couple of days anyway. Yeah. 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 We test. Yeah. Everybody lives here. We got to take one. Yeah. For sure. Every week. Yeah. Sometimes two or three times a week. Depends on who you are, where you're falling at. And so I want to ask you something. If, if, if there's anything that you want to tell the listeners or the viewers, I want you to look right here at this camera and just tell them whatever is on your heart, man. I just want to say, no matter how old you are or what background you come from, your deepest, lowest parts of, of your addiction, you can always, you can always make that turnaround, man. It's just, just, just cry out to God and ask him to put the right people in the right situations in front of you and follow what he's got for you. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, no problem. And thanks for coming on the show today, man. It's, it's been fun. It's, yeah. it's cool sitting here laughing with you and chopping it up. And yeah. I really do hope that the family reunification with you and your daughter takes place. And I hope your dad gets his son back. And I just want you to know you're worth recovery. You're worth living a life that you never dreamed of. You thanks, know what man. I mean? Yeah. And so I want to thank you guys for watching today for, I mean, this is it from prison to purpose and we're rocking and rolling. Uh, please go follow and like and subscribe to all the social media. Long form content is on our YouTube channel. Please go check that out and make sure you comment, like, and share and tell us who you want to hear from next. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to From Prison to Purpose with Jimmy McGill. Please subscribe on any of the major podcasting platforms and on YouTube at Prison to Purpose. This podcast is produced by Ty King with American Business Engine and executive producer Jimmy McGill. For more information, visit us at jimmymcgill.org.